Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Super Bowl 58, a classic. A defensive struggle. And then some points late. Kansas City, your winner in overtime. 25-22. San Francisco turned the ball over. Made some mistakes. You knew there'd be a little bit of controversy after it was all said and done. Apparently members of San Francisco weren't even aware of the new playoff overtime Rules, which in itself is um, is frankly laughable, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Um, it has to be taught. It has to be explained. I also believe that when it's your job and it's your full time occupation, you should probably be aware of what the situation is. It's very easily explainable. But um, we heard it from a couple of different parties after the loss. San Francisco gave it their all. This one's really going to hurt them. I mean, they had it up 10 nothing. They had a chance to be at maybe 13, 16, 17 nothing if they didn't turn that football over early. And then the unforgivable uh, special teams blunder. And, you know, Kansas City never really panicked. They just knew they had the best player on the planet. They had a much better coach. And overall, just an outstanding coaching staff if you had Spags to what he was able to do on the defensive side. So now it's all about right lists and comparisons. Is this a dynasty? Where's Patrick Mahomes all time? Is he in the Tom Brady category? Statistically, you look at it, it's an avalanche in favor of Patrick Mahomes. But the most telling part is six, and I guess seven, six in New England, seven overall for Brady Mahomes at the age of 28, already with three and Obviously an opportunity to add more. Coming out of the game last night, both Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey both saying that they will be back next year and they will make a run for the three-peat. So, it's good to have you with us. Super Bowl Sunday leads to Hangover Monday. And, yeah, I'm with you. I know it's become more and more kind of the in thing. It's more popular as far as the discussion yearly. Should this be a holiday uh, for you. I would have no problem with that. I think the better option would be, why not just play the game on a Saturday night, right? Are you trying to tell me the NFL is going to stick with their tradition? Because back in the day when it was actually a game, the founding fathers called it Super Bowl Sunday. Does that still really mean something to you? Super Bowl Sunday? Right? Do the Roman numerals still mean something to you? For crying out loud, we just heard from Roger Goodell four days ago. He's ramming the NFL down our throat now in Brazil, you know, wherever else, Mexico, London. So don't give me any of this change. You've changed everything. You've added more wild card teams. You've taken away buys. You've gone from 16 to 17 games. It's, it's amazing how you can kind of pick and choose, do whatever it is that you want to do when it benefits the owners, right? The owners don't care if it's Super Bowl Sunday, okay? Or better yet, move it to Super Bowl Sunday. You think any of these owners are getting absolutely pie-eyed on cocktails? 
during a Super Bowl Sunday? No. Some of their employees are. The fans of the teams are. Certainly those who went to the game did. But there's Super Bowl parties all across the country. It makes complete sense to move it to a Saturday. But it's something about the NFL, right? As much as we love the NFL, it's got a little bit of a feel of like your in-laws that just stick around a little bit too much, right? You're always going to shake your head, whether it's officiating, whether it's the, uh, the, the, the turf. And, and for the most part, I thought both were good yesterday. I thought the calls, uh, for the most part, I, I, was a li- I felt like it was a late call on, uh, on the holding on San Francisco on third down, which did produce. A, uh, a first down for the 49ers. I, I thought right then it was game. I figured they would punt it, and, you know, Mahomes was going to drive the entire field, and um, certainly they did remain um, uh, fluid after that first down and were able to drive the entire field, and I did think that San Francisco was going to go up by a touch, but that's when probably the second or third best player on the field, Chris Jones, made the play of the game. Incredible pressure on on Brock Purdy, and that would have produced the touchdown pass. Instead, it did not, and San Francisco had to settle for the field goal. So, anyway, thoughts on that? Saturday, Sunday, the Super Bowl, uh, that's always good, and it's a uh, it's a healthy conversation. But when things make too much sense in the NFL, they're just going to look at you and shake their head and say no. So I would never bet on it. I would never hold your breath on whether or not we're either going to have a Monday holiday or we're going to actually have the game to be played on a Saturday night. Um, One thing that got me by surprise is I was at a neighborhood Super Bowl party yesterday at my buddy Chuck's house, and it was just, uh, just phenomenal. It was a great crowd, and it was a crowd that was involved with the game, right, just about everyone there was a Jaguar fan. I would say most were leaning towards San Francisco. I, I think we get tired of winners, right? We start with New England. Um, we're certainly starting to get it now uh, with Kansas City. When you, when you keep on winning, we, we want something that's new. Uh, we do want something uh, that is fresh. And, you know, I looked at social media. I kind of, for the most part, had my phone in my back pocket and was just enjoying Everything, we were actually outside, and it was just perfect uh, as far as the, the weather. But I was really surprised at all the hate and almost disappointed with all the negativity. And listen, I'll go negative with you all the time. Um, and when I do it, it's typically about something that I don't like that the Jaguars did, or I don't like what Florida State did, or where I'm from, my Boston teams, I don't like what they did, and I become very passionate about it, become very aggravated about it. I think that's what sports fans do, right? You're so much overbearing with the negative, and for me, the positive, the winning has always been much more of a, a sense of relief compared to jubilation that that's the way I'm wired you may be totally different if so good for you but it just felt like people all upset with the pregame people all upset with halftime I had people texting me and on my social media saying where's the diversion right during the halftime show I'm like are you kidding me are you really asking me I didn't even wa- I barely watched the halftime show I was 
chomping down a cigar, and I was having some cocktails. You know, I, I loved it when Alicia Keys came in. I'm a big fan of her. You know, I kept maybe an eye on it, but I wasn't totally engrossed in it. But I'm never engrossed in the halftime show. All right? You probably got to go back to when you 2 did it in 2001. I thought Prince was good. I stayed around for The Who, and that was really a disappointment. They did not sound good. But I'm just not a big halftime guy. I'm not a big commercial guy that, you know, when the action stops, what do I do when the action stops? I fetch another Miller Lite or I go find a tree in the backyard to uh, uh, make myself all freshened up for when the action does return. So, uh, you know, that, that kind of part of it, 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 I'm not in. But when I check the phone, people are upset with the pregame. People are upset with the halftime. Others are saying it's the greatest halftime they've, uh, they've ever seen. I actually enjoy that. I enjoy when people are, are happy, when people are down, not with all of this uh, hate. I, I'm, I'm listening to people say this is Jim Nance's worst Super Bowl call that he has ever had, and Tony Romo was jumping all over him, including during the game-winning touchdown pass, you know, in overtime. Um, the Taylor Swift hate was just beyond control. And, again, I, I, I don't get it. I mean, I get kind of turned away with Kelsey. I think he's a total clown, but he's such a phenomenal football player. So, anyway, I found myself a little bit disappointed, and maybe that's just the way social media is, right? The negative is always going to pound the positive. Most people out there are probably disappointed because their team is not in it. And I'm telling you, this isn't only a local angle. All right. If you go to Twitter, for the most part, I only follow uh, sports fans, right, or, or those involved in the world uh, of sports. There may be an exception here, an exception there, but I'm primarily, I use that app only for sports. And, man, it was just a massive tidal wave of negativity uh, coming in. So I'm just wondering, is, is everyone pissed? Is everyone angry, or is that just the way it always is, and maybe I'm just not crystal clear and aware of it, because I felt like yesterday uh, there was a tremendous amount of that that actually did take place. All right, what's up next for Kansas City? They're in a real good position, and that's one of the things I'm going to talk about after our first break is, to me, it's all about quarterback play, and I know you can argue it, and your greatest example of that is Brock Purdy. Okay, Brock Purdy came about as close as you can come to winning a Super Bowl. And, and think about what that argument would have been like with Mr. Irrelevant, the final pick in the draft, winning a Super Bowl this early in his career. Because I've always maintained you're not going to win in this league without a franchise quarterback, without a dominant quarterback. I know there are examples. Right, Tampa Bay won with Brad Johnson. Look at Brad Johnson's year, though. Brad Johnson had a spectacular year. Last week, we talked about Washington winning Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks. Not one of them is close uh, to the Hall of Fame. If you talk about Joe Theismann and Doug Williams and, uh, what is it, Mark Rippon, who won a Super Bowl. Um, you can go to Bob Greasy in Miami. You can look at both of Baltimore's. Super Bowl wins with Joe Flacco and, and Elvis Gerback. So, yes, there, there are examples with the 58 years that we have had 
where teams have won with quarterbacks who had a really good season, okay? A really good year. And they were not quote-unquote Hall of Fame quarterbacks. I still am going to erase all of that. And to me, the most important thing is that you have a quarterback who is a difference maker. You have a quarterback that can take you to the Super Bowl and win it. Brock Purdy had a real good chance to turn that around yesterday. Jimmy Garoppolo did as well, you know, four years ago uh, for San Francisco. But if you're John Lynch right now and you still got another year, are you signing Brock Purdy to the lifetime maximum contract? Or not a lifetime maximum contract, but are you paying him, you know, the most amount of money uh, in the NFL? The same question that comes up almost daily when we talk about Trevor Lawrence. So I do want to get to that in a couple of minutes, and I, I, I have some stuff here that I'm going to throw out to you on it, and uh, I do think that, that you'll enjoy it. It doesn't apply for this fan base. At least I don't think it applies for this fan base. Although I've seen more negativity this year during the offseason when it comes to Trevor Lawrence, certainly than I did a year ago. With Trevor Lawrence, I mean all the reasons why, right? The injuries, the eight and three record that end up being nine and eight, and you know just massive amounts of disappointment. We look at it all differently. To me, the biggest problem continues to be that offensive line. Uh, but let's make no no bones about it. Trevor has to get better. He needs to protect the football. Uh, we're going to get to that coming up here in just a couple of moments. All right. What's scary about Kansas City is Andy Reid's coming back, right? It appears Travis Kelsey is coming back. Outside of that, they're losing a lot of really good football players. And I I think what gets lost in the Brady-Belichick success is all of the players that they did lose, including now Hall of Famers, guys like Richard Seymour, who they moved away. Um you know, I, I would have thought before he started going uh, uh, crazy, and it's a very unfortunate situation um, with, uh, with, with Jones, uh, Chandler Jones. You know, they moved him uh, too early. Um, Ty Law uh, went to the Hall of Fame. Rodney Harrison it was a guy that they actually went out and added late. He, he was with Fred Taylor last week in the Final 15. He's not in the Hall of Fame as of yet. Randy Moss, I mean, they went undefeated. And we all remember they lost uh, to the New York Giants when they tried to go 19-0 and become the first undefeated team regular season and playoffs to do that since the Miami Dolphins in the early 1970s. But it felt like everything else in New England was interchangeable, okay? Uh, Look at the receivers. They came in and they came out. You may think of Edelman or you may think of Moss or you may think of Troy Brown or David Patton or whoever it may be, Wes Welker. I certainly remember Wes Welker losing a Super Bowl by dropping a, uh, a, a pass uh, right over the middle that, that, frankly, he had to make. But the same thing happens now and has been happening with Kansas City. They lost arguably the most expo- explosive player during the 2023 season in Hill and the unbelievable year he had in Miami. And they now have won consecutively. Right? You look at that offensive line. Donovan Smith went down. He was injured, came back late. He's a free agent. Heck, they won the game yesterday without their starting left guard in a pro bowler and Joe Tooney. Uh, there's talk already that Juwan Taylor, that some out there would like him to be a salary cap 
casualty because he was the most penalized offensive lineman in the NFL during the entire season. Uh, Salary cap-wise, that absolutely cannot happen. You look at their defense, okay? Six of their starting 11 are free agents. Derek Nottie, out, injured, biceps, right? Didn't even play. Willie Gay, hurt during the divisional round, battled through it, came back. Tranquil, another one of their linebackers, a free agent. Mike Dana on the defensive line, a free agent. Then you really get in deep. Legereus Sneak, can you afford to let him go? Length, speed. They've used six draft picks in their secondary, either over the last two or three years. I read about that earlier today. They have been all over drafting guys in their defensive backfield. Brett Veach, that has been really one of his primary responsibilities with what he has tried to replenish in Kansas City during this incredible run. And then you get the Chris Jones. I mean, can you let Chris Jones walk away? If you go back to the game here, we remember Chris Jones going up against the rookie late, blowing by Anton Harris and and having a direct outcome in the final between Jacksonville and Kansas And go back and watch what he did yesterday. The statistics don't support the game. The statistics don't support what he meant when Spagnolo, you know, and, and Spag, that's another part of this. They lost Eric Bieniemy. They may bring him back. Matt Nagy is the offensive coordinator, doesn't call plays. Spags has now won four Super Bowl rings as a defensive coordinator. He doesn't even get a sniff when it comes to becoming a head coach. Kind of reminds me of like Mickey Andrews, right? Mickey Andrews, the college, and he was at Florida State for what, 25 whatever years? Oh, Mickey doesn't have the personality to be the head coach. Mickey doesn't interview well enough to be a head coach. So Bowden just said, okay, you know, my offensive coordinators, Wayne McDuffie, you know, Brad Scott, Mark Rick, Jeff Bowden, Jim Belfish. We'll, we'll keep rotating the door with offensive coordinators, but my defensive coordinator is going to stay Mickey Andrews. It, that's kind of the feeling. I mean, it was Coughlin who gave him the job in 2015 in New York. And it just keeps going and going and going. But what about the staying power for Kansas City? It, it's not supposed to work this way. It's not supposed to work this way for New England for 20 years. It's not now supposed to work this way for Kansas City going on, what, six or seven years. Do you have any inkling at all that they're going to drop off in 2024 because the key components are there, including the best player on the planet? And when it's all said and done, he may end up being the best of them all in Patrick Mahomes. It's really fascinating. And, of course, you, as Jaguar fans, you're thinking, how do you weaken Kansas City? How do you lessen Kansas City? Well, I'll tell you, for starters – have Chris Jones and uh, Legereus Sneed get the hell out of there. That's responsibility number one and number two. And don't get me wrong, Chris Jones far and away over Sneed, but Sneed's still a really good football player. So want to get into that um, tonight. You know, that, that whole front office remains the same in Kansas City. People want to, who the hell wants to live in Kansas City? Although when you look at cold weather cities, I do like Kansas City. I think it's got a great downtown. I think the people there are, are really friendly. 
I don't know if you Jaguar fans would disagree with that. Maybe you've had some run-ins. I never have, but, you know, when you look at cold places to be, uh, there's worse than Kansas City, at least as far as I am concerned. All right, we got a ton to do coming up here on this Monday. Quick shout-out. we got a huge game coming up on Wednesday for the Episcopal Girls Soccer Team. All right, heard from a good friend before the show tonight. They're on a postseason run, and they're, they're in Hogtown. They got P.K. Young coming up on Wednesday night. It's for the regional title. They win that, a trip to the state championship. So let's, uh, let's offer up our, uh, uh, our, our best of, if you will, and uh, go get them. That is the Episcopal girls soccer team at P.K. Young coming up on Wednesday night. We wish all of those girls the very best and hopefully a victory there and a trip to the States. All right, as always, tonight's show, as we get things underway, brought to you by our good folks over at, um, um, you know, obviously, Schmunez Vision, been with us forever. And I was at this party yesterday, and a guy walks in one eye. Looked like, he looked like a pirate, right? He looked like Popeye. He's like, man, I got, to, I got a bean dip or whatever it is in my eye. And I'm like, man, that's, that's a big-time concern. Yeah, and, uh, you know, he was down. He was out. I, I don't know. You got to wash your hands. He, somehow he went from the, the chip to the dip, the dip to the mouth, and somehow the dip got in the eye. I don't know how that happened. I don't know if it was, he was overserved or if it was just a major mistake. But it's happened to us all, and it's a very, very uncomfortable feeling. Um, don't know advice to give you in something along those lines, unless you maybe carry around one of those fanny packs, right? And you got your contacts and your saline and all that. Most of us don't. Um, That's something, if it happens to you, I wish you the best. But on the same token, I'll tell you, if you sleep in your contacts, that is a massive mistake. I don't care if you have three-day lenses or whatever. Don't do it. It's not sanitary. It's not good for you. You don't sleep in your skivvies and get up the next day and wear them, right? That's gross. It's the same thing when it comes to to your contacts. Now, Schmunez Vision, they're your one stop for everything that is your eyes. Absolutely, you can go there to get the very latest as far as a prescription, contacts, and glasses. But what if it's far more serious, like what happened to me eight and a half years ago? Normal visit, Dr. Neil Schmunez is like, buddy, you got an issue in your right eye and you need surgery immediately. Very next morning, he went in, came out, removed what had to be taken out cancerous in my right eye. There's never been a setback. I wasn't even aware of it, okay? That's how thorough they are. That's how good they are. Check them out. Just go to Schmunez Vision online. That is Schmunez Vision for everything that is your eyes located out at the beach. When we come back, we check in with J.J. LaSalva and quarterbacks. I count four with Super Bowl rings that are playing right now that are not named Pat Mahomes. All off year, all off season, and even into the year, we were talking about who's next, who's next. Well, the answer to that question was no one. So let's get into it again. Let's look at the quarterback situation and ask yourself this question. How many truly are franchise quarterbacks? How many QBs right now around the league would you not move for anyone else except for, obviously, Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, I'm giving up Trevor Lawrence for Patrick Mahomes. I'm giving up anyone for Mahomes. But outside of him, how many right now 
in pro football. Let's dive into it. It's good to have you with us. A Monday edition. My name is Rick Ballou. This is Into the Night. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Oh, it's Lou Graham. Foreigner. Actually on this year's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nomination list. Will they um, Will they get the bid? I, I've got a lot of people baiting me on this. 641-1010 on our text line. I I think some of you would just as soon as me say, screw the Super Bowl, but we'll get to, let's get to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But uh, can't do it. There'll be time for that. But once again, it's a, it's, it's a terrible list. It's an awful list. Outside of uh, Ozzy, Foreigner, there was one other band on there that I thought, um, and I'll have to look at it. But they went the role of diversion, right? Good old classic rock and roll doesn't work anymore. You've got to... Uh, You've got to add all sorts of uh, of folks as we bring in the incomparable uh, JJ Lasava. Uh, can you just? I think you're mixing up the word diversity with diversion. I say diversion. You've done right? it a couple times tonight. Yes, I was confused at first, but now what I say diversion. Oh, well, I mean, I said. Are you sure about the commercials? Yeah, you were like. Someone talked to me, and I needed a diversion at halftime. They needed more diversion, and I'm like, eh. well, diversity. All right. Um, can you check and see, since there is a lot of diversity now in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, uh, can you check the Country Hall of Fame for me and see if Led Zeppelin's gotten in yet? I don't think they're nominated. Or if the Rolling Stones uh, is in. It's just the things that we really care about and love that we always have to bend the rules, right? Country's not going to do it. Hip hop in there, hip hop, rock and roll, or in there, a hip hop Hall of Fame. I, I think there may be. Do you think they're going to allow you two in? Do you think they're going to allow the Eagles? No, but the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is going to bend over backwards to say, ah, yes. We need you. So, this year's candidates, Mary J. Blige, <laughs> Mariah Carey, Cher, the Dave Matthews Band, uh, Eric B. I don't even know who this is, yet they've been nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Eric B. Rakem? Rakem. There you go. Okay, I'm a classic rocker. And, and these are, I mean, again, no Super Tramp, no Jake Isles, no Boston, no Sticks, no Bad Company, no Grand Funk Railroad, no Guess Who, no America, no Warren Zevon, right? None of them. But let's, you know, uh, Lenny Kravitz, Cool in the Game, Jane's Addiction. Jane's Addiction had like one or two decent albums in like the early 90s. Uh, Sade, great sound. Incredible. It's jazz for crying out loud. It's jazz. A tribe called Quest? What the hell is that? <sighs> so anyway, that's where we are. I'll get to this. Uh, I do like Peter Frampton. I do like Foreigner. I would put those two in. I put Ozzy in. I mean, the fact that Ozzy's not in as a solo host is um, 
is absolutely mind-boggling. Yeah, I understand he's in with Black Sabbath, uh, but that's it. You know, I know Dave Matthews has his niche. If you're into that, fine. Oasis, I, I never got it. Okay, I, I, Sinead O'Connor, what? I mean, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but they do it every year. And that's why I'll tell you, don't ever waste your money. Don't ever go. First off, you got to go to Cleveland. Secondly, if you do go to Cleveland and you go in there to go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you're going to be massively disappointed. It's there's nothing there that is attractive uh, as far as I'm concerned. You tell me that Oasis, one of the singers there, basically said, screw the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Yeah, which I appreciate. Um, I'm going through the Hip Hop Hall of Fame list. Not a lot of diversity in here. Mm-hmm. A lot of, you know, hip hop artists. So the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is on the back end of two wrongs don't make a right. You know how you hit... Maybe he hits you first and you hit back and you get caught. Or we get disciplined growing up, playing hockey, practice at night. There'd be a no-puck practice, which basically meant you were just going to skate your ass off because you didn't play well. That's the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It is. It's basically, listen, just shut up. We're going to let everyone else in. If you don't like it, tough. But why doesn't anyone else play by the same rules? You know? Remember when Dolly was like, I don't want to be in there. I don't belong. I'm not a rock artist. And then they're like, ah, just do it. And she's like, all right. But at least she realized this is kind of weird. And I love it. And and that's what really hurts. It's like things that I love are the exception. You know, Florida State wins all their games. First time ever. Left out. We talked about it last week. The Jaguars are literally Mikey from life, right? For those of you who are old enough to remember the old Mikey life commercial, give it to Mikey. He'll try it. He'll hate it. Mikey hates it. The Jaguars, sure, play him in Brazil. The Jaguars, sure, play him in Hong Kong. The Jaguars, sure, play him in China. The Jaguars, two straight in London, sure, it's the Jaguars. It's only the Jaguars. They're the exception to the rule. Florida State, exception to the rule. Jaguars, exception to the rule. Rock and roll freaking Hall of Fame, exception to the rule. You're not going to put Black Sabbath in the country Hall of Fame, are you? No. Mary J. Blige, the rock and roll. Dolly Parton last year. And the right, it's a, just don't waste your time. Don't go. Frankly, I gave it too much attention. All right, how many true, I mean, just put yourself in a position now of being a general manager in the NFL. And if you want to disagree with this, by all means, be my guest, okay? 641-1010 on the text line, brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. I, um, even though Brock Purdy almost got there, Brock Purdy had a, a really good year. Okay, what what Brock Party uh, what Brock Purdy does is that he will say to those who defend the fact that you don't need to draft your franchise quarterback right out of the gate in the first round, right? And there have been others. Tom Brady uh, certainly does come to mind, but there's a big difference. There's a long. There's been a lot of draft picks in many years between Tom Brady and what we've seen. 
with Brock Purdy, okay? I have been under the belief over the last couple of years that we were in a really strong era as far as quarterback play, okay? Dominant quarterback play. Now, we've lost some good ones to retirement. And that begins with Brady, and you can go to Breeze, and you can go to both Mannings, and you can go to Roethlisberger. Uh, you know, Phillip Rivers, out of that group, did not win a Super Bowl. But he's still a Hall of Famer. Matt Ryan was really, really good for a long period of time uh, in Atlanta. Right now, you've got four quarterbacks who have won Super Bowl rings. And one's a free agent, and Joe Flacco at the age of 39. Stafford's still real good in L.A. Wilson went way down, but it appears he's starting to make a, a comeback in Denver. Others will disagree with that, and that's fine. And then you got Rodgers, who's going to come back in New York after missing an entire season uh, with an injury. But we always sit around here, and for instance, this year, my answer to this question was, who is the next great young quarterback? Who is the next one that will come on in and finally win a Super Bowl. Well, I picked Cincinnati, okay? I picked the Bengals before the season began to win this year's Super Bowl. Obviously, that got blown up because you had the injury uh, to Joe Burrow. I I still, and I'm not going to make my play on this now. Why would I on the, what, 12th day of uh, of February? We're going to have to see what happens as far as as free agency and, and the NFL draft. For those of you who are in a panic, about football and no football, let, let me tell you that February is still a pretty good month, okay? We're only two weeks away from the combine. We are less than 30 days away from NFL free agency, and we're officially 73 days away from the NFL draft. So I know it may seem like it's going to be an incredible Law, you know, an, an incredible um, uh, time trying to get through things with, with no football. The NFL is genius. They, they, they keep it running virtually 12 months a year. So there is a lot to get excited about, beginning with the combine in, in less than a couple of weeks uh, back in Indianapolis. For those of you who love other things, February to me has always been one of the greatest months of the year because you have pitchers and catchers reporting this week. And you have gentlemen start your engine down the road in Daytona. Uh, for NASCAR fans coming up. So it, it's it's not a bad month. It, it isn't. And then certainly once we get to March, you have the players, you have free agency, you have conference tournaments, and then you get into the NCAA college basketball tournament. You just need to become a little bit more uh, aware of, of what's out there. For those of you who really suffer over the lack of football, I honestly um, do feel for you. But where, you know, where are we as far as great quarterbacks? For instance, if I was to grade these QBs, it feels like my opinion on most of them has changed negatively as opposed to positively in one year. Joe Burrow was forced on me because of an injury. Okay? The one who absolutely rose that I never saw coming was C.J. Stroud. I mean, he could be a top-five quarterback right now. I think there's a lot of people in town here listening that would rather have Stroud uh, than Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is another one. I don't even have to ask the question. I listen to you. I, I read what you send to me. You're down on Trevor. Some of you, not entirely his fault. 
I've heard it all from Press Taylor to the offensive line to holding on to the ball too much to no running game to too many injuries. I mean, there's plenty of material uh, and or excuses uh, to support Trevor Lawrence. And for the record, there's no way I'm giving up on him. Jalen Hurts, where are you now compared to a year ago with Jalen Hurts, who went to the Super Bowl? All right, Lamar Jackson, second MVP. Incredible. Absolutely outstanding. But what's his record in the playoffs? Josh Allen. Josh Allen, to me, has got to be in the top five. I still believe Buffalo is never going to win a Super Bowl. I've always said it. I just think that that is the case. Um, You get to a guy like Dak Prescott, another phenomenal regular season. He's got kind of the Lamar Jackson uh, postseason. It's even worse for Prescott. He's only, what is he, two and six or two and seven? I don't even know officially what his record is in the postseason. I'm going to. I'm going to have to look it up. Tua. You know, look at Tua. Look at the amount of points they they put up early uh, in the season and how all of that fell apart. So let's get into this a little bit tonight. It's 641-1010 on our text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Mahomes is obvious. But legitimately, how many other franchise quarterbacks are there really in the NFL? And I used to think there was 10, maybe 12. Okay, right now I'm thinking, can you get five? Can you get the six? All right, and then you look around, and it's like pre-agent quarterbacks. Kirk Cousins is 35, coming off an Achilles. Are you going to pay him $35 million a year to be your quarterback? I'm asking. Tanny Hills, what, 35? Will Levis is next up. He's out. Are you going to pay that man? to be the quarterback of your franchise. What's Tampa going to do with a 28-year-old Baker Mayfield? Baker had a really good year. Put him here. How many of you would be excited that Baker Mayfield is going to be the starting quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars? I'm I'm using it that way just to kind of create an analogy. Are you going to give this guy a three- or four-year contract and say, you're our guy? For the few, are you going to let him walk? What about Minshew? Gardner Minshew wins a lot of games. He spends a couple of years and then moves on, right? A couple of here, a couple in Philly, a couple in Indy. He's only 27. Anthony Richardson is coming back from the shoulder. He's going to be the guy there. So these are big decisions that all of these teams have to make. But it still really begs the question, how many franchise quarterbacks are there? How many of these quarterbacks can you look at right now and say he is going to win a Super Bowl? If I put ten grand on the table right now, are you going to tell me that Trevor Lawrence is going to win a Super Bowl? I'm asking. C.J. Stroud going to win a Super Bowl? Is Lamar Jackson going to win a Super Bowl? Is Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Jordan Love, Brock Purdy? I mean, that—that's where we are. Maybe the only crazier number in football right now is that there's only three current head coaches in college football who have actually won a national championship. Okay? And we mentioned that late last week. If that doesn't blow you away, I don't know what will. Dabo, Kirby Smart, and Mac Brown. That's 
it. Three. Three college coaches would change. What happened to college football? Same deal. You have five quarterbacks in the NFL with ranks. And one is a 39-year-old free agent and Flacco. And is there anyone here that's going to tell me that they're going to bet on Aaron Rodgers to win a Super Bowl in New York with the Jets? Or that Matt Stafford's going to turn around and win it in L.A. again? Or that Russell Wilson's going to find a new life and all of a sudden turn things around? And t- no, you're not going to pick any one of those four. Mahomes, sure. But the other four, no way. If so, I'd love to hear why. So who's next? Pretty scary. You look at it that way, right? Maybe this whole quarterback league and everything that I say it is, maybe it's a lie. Maybe it's not. All right, let's get back to your thoughts on that. 641-1010 if you want to get on in. That's the best way for you to join us right here on this Monday night. Good to have you with us. This is Into the Night. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Tonight's show brought to you by Patriot Roofing. They specialize in all types of commercial, residential roofing and repairs, gutters, sun tubes, skylights, 10-year workmanship warranty. Everybody mark a call, 982-4052. That's Mark Tizzolo. All right, discounts for senior citizens. The military, financing available, licensed and insured. Best part, no subcontractors. You deal just with Mark. Uh, to check it all out, just go to Patriot Roofing, commercial or residential. Whether you need a new roof or your current roof, if it does need repairs. Um, Blue, this is going to end sooner or later. Mahomes is 28. <laughs> okay. Brady played till what? He was 44. Um, and that's unfair. But if you protect your quarterback, you can play for a very long time in this league. The greatest quarterbacks have played for in the teens, if not 20-plus years. And Patrick Mahomes already has more playoff wins than Peyton Manning. Think about that. Mahomes has 15. Peyton has 14. Mahomes with three Super Bowls. Uh, my guess is he wins another one. Okay? He could win two three. He could win two or three. Who knows what he uh, could end up doing uh, if he can stay healthy. It's... Uh, it's really amazing. 7405, Rick, I honestly don't see what reason there is to still believe in Trevor. He does nothing great. He's not a difference maker, a game changer. He's just a guy. At this point, his mechanics are off. He's not accurate. He showed this year he's not that smart. And he has a callous disregard for protecting the football. Uh, holes are all around his game. I see nothing he excels at. His game is not improving mentally either. He is who he is, and until the front office sees what we will be, stagnant as much as people want to believe otherwise. All right, that's a lengthy comment. I think a lot of that is wrong. I think some of the things you mentioned in here are correct. And can you fix those issues? Can you correct those issues? The one that stands out more than anything to me is when you say, uh, he's not that smart, and he has a callous disregard for protecting the football. I have no defense for the second part of that sentence. None. He does not protect the football. 
And I believe that they have done everything in their power to tell him to protect the football. He tries to make plays. I'm not defending him. I'm acknowledging your point. Not that smart, okay? Well, the point we just talked about defines not being smart. If, if you are told, get down, throw it away, run out of bounds, uh, slot, whatever it is, and, and for one reason or another, when you're in that moment, you still think that you can make a play. That's what he's trying to do. Make a play. Um, he's a gamer. He's trying to win. Does that define not being smart? I don't know. That That's an interesting conversation piece. It it, it really is. He's Look at Patrick Mahomes yesterday. I mean, he's, on that fourth and one, he picked up, what, eight yards? And the very next play, I think he went 19. He didn't slide. What, what if... The great Patrick Mahomes, what if he fumbled the ball on that 19-yard carry? And I know we can play what if uh, for the rest of our lives, but I was saying to myself, man, get down, you know, get down, Mahomes. And and in in a situation like that, uh, he did come up big. I disagree with you on the fact that he's not smart. Has he made mistakes? Plenty of them. And he's only a 24-year-old quarterback. But I'm I'm not going to uh, agree with that part. Not a difference maker, a game changer. Can you write? Uh, I'll tell you right now. You you cannot write that book based on three years of what he has done in this league. Okay, I understand that there is more disappointment this year than there was last year at this time. Uh, but it's still too early now. I'm in no hurry to give him the long-term contract extension. Last year at this time, if we were to rewind the tape, I was thinking, yeah, get him signed. March 13th, beginning of the league year, pay him whatever it is because the sooner you pay him and you rip up year four and you rip up that fifth year first-round only player option or team option on on the first-round player, um, it'll end up benefiting you at the end of the contract. I, I don't feel that way now. I feel like, yeah, you pick up his fifth-year option, and you have until May 2nd to do that. And for the record, I'm picking up the fifth-year option as well on Travis Etienne. But kind of want to see him produce. And, and you know, Trevor made the rounds last week. What, Kay Adams and NFL Network and some other things. He had an opportunity to come out and say, yeah, I want to get paid now. He had an opportunity to put it on Jacksonville, and, and, and he didn't. So, you know, I just imagine if that had been thrown out there. Imagine if Trevor Lawrence was like, yeah, you know, I, I want to get paid now. I don't want to wait anymore. I want to know I'm going to be a part of the Jaguars, get this deal done. I want my money now. I want to know that I'm going to have security. He very easily could have gone down that road. And uh, thankfully for you Jaguar fans, he did not. Uh, at this point, his mechanics are off. He's not accurate. All right. I think mechanically he's fine. His accuracy has, has been an issue since he came into this league. Uh, I thought that there were times this year where he missed wide receivers badly. I thought that there were times this year where he tried to force the football, that there was not separation with his skill position guys. I also thought this year that 
there was a lot of miscommunication where he thought the ball was supposed to go one place and the wide receiver went elsewhere. So I think there's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of fingers to, uh, uh, to use to blame other individuals uh, as far as this is concerned. It's a good one, though. I, I appreciate the, uh, the input here. I'm going to disagree with most of it, okay, especially the part where you don't think that he is a, a smart football player. I, I, I guess the only glimmer of hope here is he's only 24, right? The man's still got an opportunity. I mean, it's not like he's um, in his second contract and he's he's 28 uh, or 27 like ba- uh, you know like Baker Mayfield is. Baker's actually 28 or 27 like Gardner Minshew. He's been in this league for six or seven years, and you're like, yeah, is it? I mean, that's a tougher decision. And I think we're talking about different quality quarterbacks, but um, to me, you know, with Trevor, he needs more help. I would love to see. Trevor with a great offensive line. And then I think you'll do a better job being able to figure out what type of quarterback he is going to be. Uh, 0903 says basically the same thing. Lawrence will be fine. We need an offensive line. That's what you have to give him. Trent Pokey gave him plenty of weapons. He did. He gave him all sorts of offensive weapons. Uh, He needs more help on the line. So if they're able to fix that, uh, I think we'll get a better understanding as to where Trevor Lawrence is as we move forward. All right, continue with your thoughts there. A couple of ways you can get us, 641-1010 on the text line, brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. You can also get me on Twitter, getting a few folks sending me stuff in tonight on that as well. That's Baloo, B-A-L-L-O-U, 1010XL, with you on this Monday night till 8 o'clock. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Holy crap, Crab House back after it tomorrow. Again, they rest on Monday, but Tuesday through Sunday, and the Mardi Gras menu continues the entire month of February. Just outstanding selection of food. Everything from uh, gumbo to, oh my God, uh, specialized oysters. Bienville, which I had last week, which were spectacular. Uh, of course, I uh, love the snow crabs. Crabs from all sorts of different waters. So make sure you go by and check them out. The gumbo is just nuts. Just crazy. And they actually served that now year-round. It was so good. It was originally made for Mardi Gras month of February. But because uh, the peeps came in there and said, I need it, I need it, uh, they kept it year-round. So... Back in business tomorrow night. That is Tuesday through the rest of the week. Uh, I guess the week officially does begin on uh, Sunday. If you're one of those who does believe that the week begins on Sunday, we can never be friends. Okay? That's just wrong. There are certain things in life that are wrong. It's the weekend. Right? The weekend on Sunday night. I don't care what the calendar says. Sunday doesn't begin the week. Monday begins the week. You get out of bed on Monday morning and you go to work. That begins your week. Sunday is the end of the weekend. Sunday's a great day. Some people will argue with that. They just like to argue and argue in general. Um, 0551 Blue, playing devil's advocate, was press forced to call. Uh, 
you know, forced to throw the ball short and early because of bad offensive line and the inability to protect Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I don't think there's any question about it. You know, I wrote down some of these numbers, but this new math is a little bit crazy in the NFL when you look at uh, hit at the line of scrimmage, hit it behind the line of scrimmage, stuffed at the line of scrimmage, adjusted line yards. Every defense, you know, every offensive line category, uh, the Jaguars were 31st or 32nd. Last six games of the year, they were hit at the line of scrimmage 56.8% of the time. Think about that for one moment. Last six games. Uh, this is uh, according to SIS, Sports Info. Uh, I, be- I believe it's uh, Solutions that ESPN uses, right? It's not pro football focus, but it's just another brand of analytics. And in the last six games that the Jaguars played, running backs were hit by a defensive player at the line of scrimmage 56.8% of the time. That is one of the worst statistics that you can find when identifying the Jaguars in 2023. They have no chance. More than half the plays, you are hit at the line of scrimmage. And stuffed at the line of scrimmage, 28.6%. So that means ETN or, I guess, limited carries for Tank or, or Trevor or whoever it is, Johnson, um, no wiggle. There's no lane. There, there's, you're getting hit and you're getting tackled. So, yeah, I think it had a big effect on the Jaguars' overall offensive Game plan, you, you know, you, you have to be able to run it. Just look at last night's game, and what a great defensive battle. Both teams really struggled to, to run the football, and, and, you know, that's another great argument, too. Christian McCaffrey is so good, man. The guy had 160 yards in offense last night. He, he, he absolutely did it all, and congratulations to uh, the Philly Godfather who said play San Francisco in the first half and then play Kansas City uh, to win the game, all right? You look at McCaffrey, 80 yards rushing, 80 yards receiving. He's so special, and he's one of the best players in the NFL. But you can go completely to the other side and look at Pachenko, who was selected in the seventh round. The guy now has over 1,000 yards from the line of scrimmage in both his rookie season in 2022 and this season in 2023, yet he was a seventh-round selection. So, is there a huge difference between McCaffrey um, and Pacheco? Yeah, there is. But Pacheco's still very serviceable for this football team. And again, you just look around, you see what the Jaguars have done. They used the first-round pick in ETN. They used the second-round pick in Tank Bigsby where there appears to be so many other holes and so many other things that this football team needs to do and needs to address, yet they went back to the well there. Um, it's really interesting as far as I am concerned. Hey, uh, for those of you who are wondering, uh, the Philly Rooster, excuse me, yeah, it was a Philly Rooster, uh, told us to absolutely – get on the Kelsey and the Travis Swift uh, stuff. They ended up showing Travis, um, what's her name, T- uh, Taylor Swift. They ended up showing her 11 times. 
So that was a clear-cut, massive um, cover for those who played the over uh, in this game when it was all said and done with Taylor Swift. 11, so that came in. A couple of other things. Well, these are all Taylor Swift ones. I don't want to do any more of these. I I had some others that I did want to get into uh, more than just her. But, you know, for the record, they showed her more than I actually thought that they would. Um, considering it was a slow start overall uh, for Travis Kelsey. Hey, uh, one thing that you may be interested in, the Jaguars 33-1. to This came in today as well. I know it's a little bit premature, but typically um, the overall odds are going to change against your team once we get deeper into the offseason. If that makes any sense, I, I honestly think that when Jacksonville begins – uh, the 2024 season will probably be somewhere 27, 28 to one, uh, depending on what they do in free agency with the draft. You can even make a, uh, you know, you can make a claim that it could be 25 to one. But right now, at 33 to one is where Jacksonville does sit. This is according to uh, SportsBetting.ag. Came in a little bit earlier today. I know these lines were out last week, uh, but I didn't get an opportunity to get to them. No surprise, it is Kansas City overall at five to one. San Francisco six to one. Then it's Detroit 7 to 1 to round out the top 5, Baltimore 12 to 1 and Buffalo 14 to 1. So, there you go. Odds in as far as winning the Super Bowl coming up in Super Bowl 59. All right, when I come back, some other things I do want to get into. I want to spend a couple of minutes on some golf cuz it's a huge week. Tiger Woods is getting ready to get back on tour. I'm uh, going to talk about that in uh really Great detail coming up on on Wednesday night. But what about what happened at the Phoenix Open? And, you know, I'm all about a good time. I am. But I, I think it really begs the question, is this the exception to the rule? And if you're a PGA Tour player and you don't like the way that the fans are acting, just don't go to the event. I mean, players opt out all the time. Just sit this one out. Um, Tommy Lasorda, I remember years and years and years ago, was someone asked him to compare golf to baseball, and Lasorda went nuts on it. He's like, are you kidding me? Baseball, everyone's cheering and yelling and jeering. You know, everyone's supposed to be quiet in the sport of golf. And, you know, I get it. I understand it. It's the ultimate gentleman's game. But they've created this fraternity type of atmosphere uh, in Phoenix. So which way do you side here? With the players? Or with the, uh, you know, the fans that are drunk and going crazy and actually having it out uh, with these players. It's pretty interesting stuff if you had an opportunity to watch that. That was a pretty good tournament over the weekend as well at the Phoenix Open. And uh, again, that actually went into playoff holes as well. If you watched that late on Sunday, maybe you had a couple of TVs going up against the Super Bowl. So we come back, we'll take a look at that. We'll get back to some of your uh, feedback on uh, the Jags getting a lot in on quarterback. 641-1010 is the best way to get us on our text line. Brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. You can also get me on Twitter. That is Baloo1010XL. Into the Night with Rick Baloo on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Uh, how about the Atlantic Coast Conference? This is early for them. I usually get with Joe Coward. We talk about this in like... June, you know, or late May, but 
<laughs> they just sent out an email uh, that I got moments ago, and it, I guess it hit me right across the forehead for the first time with like a two-by-four. It's actually settling in that, that Cal, Stanford, and SMU are now officially part of the Atlantic Coast Conference. So what's the ACC doing? Four days worth of the ACC kickoff beginning on Monday, July 22nd. Mm-hmm. So they're taking away a Sunday for travel. Gosh, I can't wait to get to Jim Phillips. On Jim Phil- And then it's Jim Phillips Monday morning, Florida State, Georgia Tech, SMU. Tuesday is Cal, Pitt, Stanford, Virginia, Virginia Tech. B.C., Duke, Louisville, Miami, and Wake Forest on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, Clemson, North Carolina, NC State, and Syracuse. The Atlantic Coast Conference is trying to get four days out of this now. I think they went to three last year. Do you remember? I think it was three. I'm not sure. Wow. Man, what a bad brand of... of uh, of football, and it's, I just feel like you've been lied to so much lately by powerful people, and I can't wait, actually, I hate the expression, I can't wait, I absolutely can wait for this, matter of fact, on the surface, I may do my best to try to call in sick for this, I mean, this is is bad, Charlotte for the ACC, is good for Florida State and Miami and Clemson. And let's be honest here, anything else is kind of a, uh, oh, okay, yeah. Let's try to make it four days worth. And it's going to begin there with Jim Phillips, who's going to try to sell everyone there in the media that that adding these schools are good for football. I, I know SMU had a decent year, but Cal and Stanford, phenomenal academic schools, great education. I'm not knocking that. Decent, I mean, really good markets, Dallas and in Northern California. I'm not I'm not knocking any of that. They just can't play football. So that just came in a couple of moments ago. Uh 37-34 blue. Uh Trevor Lawrence also had the bear for uh, such a young quarterback, Urban, living up to ex, uh, ex- expectations. Seems at times he Pressed and versus going out and playing, trusting himself, have fun no matter no matter what, and let the game come to him. Well, I think there's one thing that that kind of falls into that category. All that kid has done is won. And I just talked about the ACC. How many big games a year did Trevor Lawrence have at Clemson? Honestly, a year, three, four. I'm talking big games. All right, look back at what Clemson did in his career. They were annihilating teams. Home and away. He probably played three or four really big. Florida State was down in those years. He didn't play a lot of big games. The guy never lost in high school or or any of that. So all of a sudden he got here and things that he probably could have gotten away with, things that he did get away with in high school and college, you, you can't get away with that in the NFL. There's just too much speed. So, yeah. There's a lot of that that uh, that does come into play, as far as I am concerned. I don't think there's any argument with that. 
Uh, Phoenix Open. What do you believe here, JJ? Who do you blame? The fans, the players? If you can't handle it, should you opt out of the event? Uh, did the I cops... didn't really see what happened. Did the cops need to be tougher? Uh, you know what happened is it became... I know that they were playing during the Super Bowl, which is really stupid. On Saturday, and speaking of stupid, this is stupid. I've always liked the ticket. I've always liked handling the ticket, holding the ticket, putting the ticket in my pocket. But everything today is electronic, including my U2 tickets coming up this weekend in Las Vegas. Okay. It's it's all right there. Your entire life is in your phone. Well, for those of you who don't know, I, apparently they had a major, ma- uh, you know, a malfunction with the tickets on Saturday. So they let like 40,000 more people come in because they weren't actually, um, you know, taking the tickets because something had gone wrong. So they ran out of beer and ended up becoming um, really completely out of hand is, is my understanding. And with the rain that came, you had people, you know, whipping off their clothes and on a beautiful golf course, uh, sliding down hills kind of the way you would on a, on a snow-filled mountain. And the fraternity type of, of feel that you have, especially around the par 3 16th where, you know, they're booing players. And, you know, it's supposed to be a lot of fun. And some of the PGA Tour players really welcome it. And even if they leave it short or left or right of the pin or whatever, they, they kind of egg on the crowd. There are others that are not that way. And we saw some really ugly situations uh, with Spieth and Zach Johnson and Max Homa. And it just went on and on and on where these fans became more than unruly, talking in their backswing. Um, this sport has always defined class. And... You know, you go to the event here, it's really run really, really well. You know, I've always felt that way. The Players' Championship is run extremely well. And, you know, there is is a certain amount of, hey, we're here, you can't be here. You know, you, you can feel the big money in the chalet. You can feel the big money on some of those places above 17, you know, with, uh, hey, you know, you'll never get in here. You know, I'm in a chalet. You're not. You're on the ground. So there's a little bit of that, and that's everywhere on the PGA Tour, outside of a place like, let's say, the Masters, where you and I aren't going to be able to get in. I was lucky once in uh, in 2013 uh, to go. But in Phoenix, it's a different feel, right? If I remember correctly, I want to say when I went to uh, – when I was a student at Florida State in the mid to late 80s, that back then the basketball um, inside the Tuck or the old Leon County Civic Center, I don't believe you had, for the student section, tickets in a seat. I, I think it was first come, first serve. I may be wrong. I, I, I honestly do not remember. But there's been events like that where, you know, as soon as you get there, you can do what you want. Obviously, that's the case uh, when you get to a golf event, just be behind the ropes. But when you get to 16, and they're talking about they have, what, 25,000, 30,000 fans there. And it's become really pretty crazy. But massive complaints. Now, the flip side of it, they made the most money they've ever made, even though they let people in because of the scenario that happened with the tickets. They actually ran out of beer. 
Think about that. Remember how pissed I was about going to that game in Orlando to begin the football season this year? Florida State and LSU. I'll never know why they have any events in Orlando. If you get disappointed here in Jacksonville or you get disappointed in Tallahassee or Gainesville with beer stands or restrooms, wait till you go to Orlando. Okay? I want to go to Orlando this summer to see the Rolling Stones show. I'm like, why would you put it in Orlando? Bring it here. Go to Tampa. I go, why would you put the Rolling Stones at that stadium in, in Orlando? It, it's just awful. They, they can't do it. They ran out of water. They, that was the main thing. It was like, what, late August that game? I think it was the last day of August, the first day of September. I mean, it's 95 degrees out, and they ran out of water. So anyway, same problem happened in Phoenix. Massive issues. But they're getting a lot of pushback now. I think I think the answer is simple. If you can't handle it, don't go play it. Go play Riviera this week. You played Pebble last week. You don't have to worry about those issues when you play Pebble Beach. You don't have to worry about those issues when you play Torrey Ponds. You're not going to have to worry about those issues when you play at Riviera. Then after that, you get the southern swing. You come to our great state. It can get a little crazy around 17, in all the years that I've been to this event and all the years that I've covered this event, the only time I can remember fans getting into it with a player was probably 1997, 1998, and it's on the par three third hole, which is a very underrated place on the golf course. Because if you want to watch the guys on the range, and yes, they've redone the range now, but you got that little hill, and it's a cool spot because you can do two things at one time. You can watch the guys on the range, and then obviously when the golfers come to that par three, uh, you can watch them, um, you know, attack the pin. But it's got a little bit of a – you have some water to the left, and it's got a – I'm not calling it an island. Obviously, we know where the island is. But anyway, it's a par three to get zero recognition. And Colin Montgomery missed the putt. I remember it was about three or four guys who just kind of oohed and nod, and and it was a little it was a little premature as the ball was rolling towards the cup, and Montgomery turned and and looked at him, and they said something. I'm sure there have been plenty of other issues that I'm unaware of, but for the most part, that's that's pretty good. I I think the fans here get it. it this is basically become Phoenix's identity. I mean, instead of the Waste Management Phoenix Open, they call it the Wasted uh, Management uh, Phoenix Open. People go there to get all messed up, and it's living up to that advanced name. So, anyway, I thought that, that was pretty interesting um, over the weekend, kind of a somewhat of a lost story uh, that did take place, uh, obviously, with the Super Bowl. It'll be a huge week with Tiger Woods. I mean, ratings are going to absolutely skyrocket. I think it's really important for Tiger uh, to play well on Thursday and Friday and make the cut and to, you know, have some success in a golf course that he's very familiar with. And I say that this way because if it does go sideways for him and he doesn't make the cut, obviously Tiger's not an excuse maker, but you get the feeling that if he doesn't play well – 
then there's something going on. He has said for quite some time now that he can still make the shots that he always made. His biggest concern is walking T to green. So if he struggles and, you know, after the round that night, the next day, the swelling and everything that's going on with his lower body after that brutal accident, is all of a sudden we going to hear, all right, Tiger's not going to be able to play a reported one uh, tournament a month. Uh, Obviously, you want him here in one month. And we're a month away from the Players' Championship. We're one month away from the start of free agency. Tiger Woods who's tied with Sam Snead for the most PGA Tour victories lifetime. I believe the number is 82. It may be 84. I think it's 82. Um, wants to break that record. No one talks about it because for him it's always been about majors, right? But he's still got that opportunity. The week before the event here is Bay Hill, where Tiger Woods has had incredible success. I think he's won eight times at Bay Hill. If he wants to win a tournament, even though he's had success here, both as an amateur and a professional, it would make more sense for him to play at Arnold Palmer's event. Obviously, I have to believe there's a lot of pressure on him to play in the players' event, the players' championship. He's still a major spokesman against Liv. He's still a major spokesman for what's going on here. And... You know, we, do you listen to a guy like Jay Monahan? If I was Tiger Woods, I look at Jay Monahan, I'd be like, right. You know, don't even waste my time. Send, send one of your lieutenants uh, to try to talk to me. You, you let us down. But this becomes Tiger Woods. Is he going to do the right thing for Tiger Woods, which in my opinion would be to play Bay Hill? Or is Tiger Woods going to do the right thing for his tour, the PGA Tour, which is to play here? He, he's not going to be able to play them both. So let's just hope at Riviera, man, there are no setbacks. He's able to go. He's able to walk. He's able to respond the next day. I, I do hope it's a, um, you know, it's an early Thursday tea time and it's a late Friday tea time, even though it's West Coast. I, I think those few extra hours on Friday, if there is massive swelling, will benefit him. Once you get to Saturday and Sunday, it doesn't matter. But it's been a long time since Tigers played. So that's going to be a really big story uh, coming up. You know, they're arriving there today or some tomorrow. But obviously, the first round begins on Thursday. All right, let's put our final touches into this one on the other side. Uh, Getting quite a few emails in on this. Uh, Guy here telling me that Cleveland, um, uh, 5200 Blue, I'll criticize you a bit. Cleveland is actually very nice now. I am embarrassed to say, but I would actually much rather be in downtown Cleveland at night than Jacksonville. Hopefully, we'll get our you-know-what together. I love this city. Been here since 1984. You know, I actually rip on Cleveland. Cleveland is a decent city. You know, the Flats is a pretty nice area. I'll I'll tell you, I'll, I'll make no bones about it. I was absolutely floored. I... I'll take one from a, a, an Ohio guy. And I mentioned this a few weeks ago, Jim Trussell, when I was doing the um, uh, Big Ten uh, meetings to begin the year. Just told you about the ACC, four days worth. Well, when I was in Chicago, it felt like every year the Big Ten meetings were in Chicago. I don't know if they were there every year. They were there most years. And I talked to Jim Trussell after they lost Maurice Claret. 
And I said, what a devastating blow to Ohio State. And he said, no, it's not devastating. It's disappointing. Okay? I'm going to go to the word devastating. When I went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, that was devastating. Not disappointing. Devastating. It's terrible. You're better off going to a hard rock cafe. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Got Steelers to visit. They have released three players today. It also includes Mitch Trubisky, another former first-round pick. Remember, at one point he was Mitchell Trubisky. Most of these quarterbacks, I won't say most, but actually I guess that's true. You would go back and grade first-rounders who did not make it. And uh, maybe you'll get another opportunity uh, somewhere down the uh, down the road. Uh, Mike Martin buried this weekend in Tallahassee. You know, he spoke on that last week. Uh, what a career for 11, uh, the number he wore on his uniform. Uh, I've gone back and forth a few times with, uh, with Doug Mankiewicz, one of the more successful players uh, to ever play. Uh, for Mike Martin, and I, I, I do think we'll have an opportunity to maybe get him on on on, uh, on Wednesday night. Spend a couple of minutes talking to him about that. I also want to just get a feel for him on uh, on baseball. I, I noticed Otani hit a blast uh, earlier today, uh, taking some BP, and just all the money that has been spent now uh, by the Dodgers. Yet I look at teams like the Yankees that just really don't have a feel for him. Uh, the Red Sox all of a sudden become small market, and it just, um, it, you know, this is one of my favorite times of the year. I, I, I love the game of baseball, and I think it's wide open again um, this year. I mean, last year was just phenomenal if you looked at uh, teams that that made some runs that I didn't necessarily expect. I mean, most notably Baltimore. Uh, just an incredible win. And those teams with the best records in baseball, Baltimore, Atlanta, L.A., uh, the time off and then getting knocked out uh, the way that they did. Uh, we talk so much here about football and do we need to make changes with everything as far as, you know, the playoffs and uh, how to change things in game, that whole overtime rule, the way that that changed from when, New England came from behind and knocked off Atlanta to the actual change and all of the controversy that's going on as to why San Francisco took the ball first. They should have gone on defense. Others say, no, their defense was tired. I always want the ball second. You know you need three. You know you need seven. But anyway, uh, that's being criticized. I think it's going to be a great year in Major League Baseball. Um, You know, the West, uh, to me, was supposed to be the most fascinating uh, with San Diego, who disappointed, San Francisco disappointed, Arizona had a, a decent year. But obviously what the Dodgers did, they, they just completely uh, fell apart. And the teams around here played well. I mean, the Braves are the best team in baseball. Tampa, with their payroll, I want to say they won almost 100 ball games as well uh, this past season. So, Hopefully we'll get into that with Doug Mankiewicz. Uh, one Jaguar note, uh, Jerry Mack apparently is going to be the running backs coach. That was reported in a couple of different places. He had been with Tennessee, not the Titans, but the Volunteers. So 
don't know a tremendous amount about Jerry Mack. I was reading a little bit earlier uh, about him. Um, you got to believe sooner or later they're actually going to let us know what is going on with the coaching staff. I, I guess there's not a a, a huge uh, demand to know that information right now, but you'd want everyone there, right, for the uh, the scouting combine and and to take part in everything that is going on as far as uh, knowing and understanding your roster and uh, all the additions that they are going to make. And again, we're starting to see a lot of players get released. Uh, Pittsburgh said goodbye uh, to three players today, and you have that opportunity. Uh, that includes Kansas City and San Francisco. Some huge free agents that they are going to have to decide what they are going to do with uh, here over the next couple of months. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers. Equal opportunity employer. All right, Hacker, let's start another week post-football. You getting ready for it? Yeah, I mean, I think the game last night, I know you had a very close score prediction over the final outcome. I did as well. It's a kind of a game we all expected. Now, it took a lot of dips and dives and weird turns to get there, but ultimately Mahomes finds a way to win it in the end, and now the rest of the league, Rick, has six months to figure out how to beat this guy. Yeah, and it's uh, it's a lot harder than it appears because this wasn't classic Kansas City. They they got it when they needed it, but Chris Jones made that huge play, and you just look at the defense and what they did in the first half. It, it's starting to feel like Mahomes' read is a little bit like Brady Belichick. Oh, you I can think, add the other players. Yeah, no, I absolutely think so. And there was one play in particular, I'm going to relate it to the Jaguars. I want to get your thoughts on it. The minute 50 to go, third and five for San Francisco. If they get a first down, they can run out the clock and kick a field goal to win it, right? Kansas City had to stop them on that third and five right after the two-minute warning in the fourth quarter. Spagnolo sends the house. The ball gets deflected to the line of scrimmage, falls incomplete. Now the 49ers made the kick to go up 22-19, or to go, I'm sorry, a field goal at the end of regulation, and Mahomes went down and drive it to tie it up before overtime. And I went back and watched it again, and I got thought to myself, if that's the Jaguars and they have to get a stop on third and four with a minute 50 to go, there's no way they're yeah. stopping San Francisco on that play. No. And that's just the difference between a team like Jacksonville and a team like Kansas City, and I don't know how you narrow that gap. Both teams have stars. There's Hall of Famers on the football field all over the place. And, you know, I, I, I just said that if you look at what New England did during that great run, the only constant was Brady along with Belichick. Everyone else was interchangeable. Mm -hmm. You can't let Chris Jones go. Chris Jones, look at the game here late. He made the play when he had to. He blew up that play. Jennings ran that route. That would have been a touchdown if he didn't get there when he did. And that was the difference between seven points and three points. You're right about that. No, exactly. But here's the problem that Kansas City has that New England did not have. Tom Brady, as great as he was, wasn't making $250 million. Wasn't making $45, $50 million against the cap 15, even 10 years ago. Kansas City's problem, and I was talking to guys out in KC for the last couple of weeks about this, they're roughly $20 million under the cap, which sounds great. But you have to sign a rookie class. Mm -hmm. Chris Jones, Legereus Sneed, Drew Tranquil, on down the line. They got a ton of guys. They got to resign. They need a left tackle if they don't bring back Donovan, Donovan Smith. Donovan Smith's another one. So 
they're going to have to pick and choose. And if Chris Jones gets to free agency on March 11th, somebody's going to throw a billion dollars at him. There's no doubt. He's so good. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if you can franchise him. Literally, Kansas City may not have the wet cash to actually pay that guy. We'll see. I almost got one right. I had 27-24 last second touchdown drive by Mahomes. No, you were close. 25-22. How about you? Yeah, I was 25. I was uh, 26-21, and it ultimately was 25-22. So, yeah, I was very close as well. All right, what's coming up? Yeah, obviously a lot of Super Bowl talk. We'll review it, Rick, with head coach Dave Campo. Also, former Florida Gator All-American tight end Ben Troop will stop by. A lot of Jaguar talk in the 9 o'clock hour as well with Demetrius Harvey of the Times Union. All right, man. Have a lot of fun. That's coming up right now. Hacker Nation right here on a Monday night. That's going to do it. I don't check the text line. Now that the show is over, you can get me at any time on Twitter and or X. That's Baloo, B-A-L-L-O-U, 1010. XL. Tomorrow night, helmets and heels will be on after that. The remainder of the week, we will get back to our regularly scheduled program. That'll be Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday from 6 until 8. For JJ LaSelva, I'm Rick Ballou. Folks, have a great night.